tuned to Yesterday, featuring programs from Radio's Golden Age. Welcome, I'm your host, Mark Lavonier. Westerns in this hour, later on, an episode of Dr. Six Gun from 1954. But right now, the Mystery House program tackles the genre with the story Death in the Saddle. This from October 21st, 1945, on the Mutual Broadcasting System. Mystery strange publishing firm owned by Dan and Barbara Glenn, where each new novel is acted out by the Mystery House staff before it is accepted for publication. Mystery House. Well, Barbie, I understand we all get into a cowboy mood tonight. Huh, partner? That's right, partner. We're going to act out a story about the wild and woolly west where men are men and murders are plumb mysterious. Well, you know, I always had a hankering to be a cowboy. Then rest easy in your saddle, mister. Because you're going to satisfy that craven pronto. Oh, you mean we're all ready to start firing? We sure are, partner. But just a minute. Here comes a mysterious stranger wandering in off the range. Well, sure enough. Now, what do you got to say for yourself, stranger? Places, everybody. Set the scene for the nice story, Tom. Death. In the saddle. Tonight's story opens in a dressing room at the rodeo. Burr Kelvin, a cowboy rodeo performer, sits with a moody look on his face as the door bursts open and his wife comes sailing in. Well, nice roping, kid. You were swinging a wide loop. You ought to pull down top money in the fancy roping without a struggle. We can use it, Burr. This rodeo racket's getting too tough. Me? I'd like to be heading back to Texas in the ranch. Well, I never thought you was yellow, Shirley. Listen, Burr, I got more what it takes than you'll ever have. But more sense, too, cowboy. We're getting no younger fast, and this is a kid's racket. Hey, you heard him announce at the time that I made on the bulldog in this first round, didn't you? Oh, I'd like to see any kid beat that. You'll see it when Tommy Tanner competes. Tommy Tanner? That phony cowboy? That no good... Ain't jealous of him, are you, Burr? Who, me? Jealous of that Johnny-come-lately? Listen, Shirley, I ain't got any cause for being jealous, have I? Well, what makes you ask a question like that? Well, I don't mind my wife being voted the most popular cowgirl in the rodeo, but I don't want you getting too popular in the wrong places. You got funny ideas about the wrong places, Burr. The kid's a top-notch working cow in. Got a profile and a voice. There's two movie scouts talking to him right now. Listen, Shirley, you ain't getting ideas about giving me the breeze for that phony, are you? <laughs> Oh, you're a funny guy, Burr. Yeah? Well, I don't want my wife running around with other men. I'm kind of glad you feel that way about it, cowboy. But I can't see what you got against Tommy. He's a nice kid. You'd help him a lot. I'm having enough trouble taking care of myself without looking for somebody to help. Besides, he's going to help me a little. What? Huh? Yeah, he's going to pay me for a little experience. What are you talking about? Listen, if you're planning on getting that kid into one of your crooked poker games... Ah, no, nothing that smooth, Chiquita. A gag that nobody else on this barnstorm and corral would fall for. Just the smart guy, Tommy Tanner. What are you talking about? Well, he thinks he's quite a writer. He thinks he talks the Bronx language. He's the smoothest writer that's hit the rodeo circuit in ten years, and I've seen them all. Hmm, must have been talking to him. Well, I made Mr. Tommy Tanner a little bet. What? Listen, you go throwing our money around... How much did you bet on him? Don't worry. He's going to lose, so what difference does it make how much I bet him? I said, how much did you bet him? None of your business. Listen, if you've got the idea our bank account's your personal property, guess again. I've pulled down nearly as much of that prize money as you have. I've trooped the country from one end to the other. I've worked like a dog, and if you think you can throw my money Nobody's away... Nobody's throwing your money away. Just doubling it, that's all. Bro, you tell me right this minute. How much did you bet with Tommy Tanner? Five thousand bucks, honey. What? $5,000. You lose that money, it'll set us back nearly two years. I said I wasn't going to lose it, didn't I? Now quit yapping and listen to me, will you? The bet's a cinch. You think you can outride Tommy? Why, you I said didn't you... bet him I could outride him. I bet him there'd be a horse here that he couldn't ride, that's all. But you don't know there will be. Oh, yes, I do. Listen, you know who's furnishing the Bronx for this rodeo, don't you? Well, sure, Bert Graham. Yeah, Bert Graham. 
And you know one bronc he owns, too, don't you? You mean Gray Bomber? Gray Bomber, the wickedest hunk of hell on hooves that ever twisted and turned and sun-dogged his way out of a chute. But Gray Bomber won't be here. There ain't a cowboy in his rodeo would touch him. Why, Gray Bomber's killed six men. He, he can't be rode. It's a publicity gimmick. Graham's bringing in Gray Bomber and putting stories in all the newspapers about the horse's record. And then he's offering a thousand bucks to any rider who'll take a stab at sticking on the critter. Oh, nobody's that crazy. Hmm, bet they ain't. But my bet with Tommy Tanner is that there'll be a bronc here that he can't ride. That's all, see? And if I say Gray Bomber's the horse, he's got to ride him or cough up the 5,000. Yeah, come in. Well, hello, Tommy. Hi, Shirley. Nice roping you've done tonight. Thanks, Tommy. If you got time tomorrow morning, remind me to show you a little trick on the in-and-out roping. Well, that'd be mighty nice of you, Tommy. Listen, Tommy, she could teach you tricks about roping. Hmm, and about riding, too, I suppose. Well, you're going to learn a trick or two about riding, cowboy. A trick that'll cost you 5,000 bucks. I wish you boys would call off that bet. I suppose Bert told you to say that, didn't he? Well, no. He thinks he's got a one for sure, but I don't know. I don't like the idea. I got a sure thing, Tommy, and you fell for it like a chump. Ever have a sure thing go back on you, Bert? Look, this is one sure thing. It couldn't go back on me. I bet there'd be a horse here in this rodeo that you couldn't ride. You know what Bronx going to be here? Oh, uh, you mean Gray Bomb. What? Well, sure. Gray Bomb is coming in tomorrow. You knew it all the time? Yep. Well, oh, Bob, I don't get it. You can't ride that horse. Want to put up another 5,000, Burr? Nobody ever has rode him. There has to be a first time for everything. Yeah, you're a worse sap than I thought you was, mister. Every tough bronc that ever bucked its way out of a chute has a gimmick. But nobody's ever figured what Gray Bomber's gimmick was. I have. I can calm that critter down and nothing flat. I got it all figured out. You're bluffing. You think I'd have bet $5,000 if it was a bluff? You can get another five anytime you say so. Well, you could be mistaken. I'm willing to take my chances on that, Bert. It's going to be the easiest $5,000 ever made. Well, so long. You and your bright ideas. So this 5000 is just like in the bank, is it? Oh, now, look, Shirley, the guy's bluffing. Bluffing? Why, well, you clown, you might as well give him the money now. And I'll tell you something else. What? I've worked like a dog, saving for our ranch. Our ranch. Now we'll be lucky if we can buy a pinto pony. You lose that money, and I'm through with you. Just a minute, Tommy. Huh? What's the matter, Lottie? You been having a nice visit with Shirley? Now, listen, Lottie, don't go get me. I'll now. get any way I please. And I'll tell you something else. Her husband's watching you like a hawk over a chicken farm. I ain't afraid of him. Well, you better be afraid of me. Who got you your breaks, huh? Who started you out in this rodeo business? Who grub-staked you while you was getting the feel of things? You need money, Lottie? Money? Don't you insult me, Tommy. We got an understanding that we're going to get married, and you just try back on that. Sure, sure, we're going to get married. You're working under too light a rain, Tommy. Let's get married tonight. Well, uh, I figured maybe after we worked Abilene Rodeo, I... You think I'm pretty dumb, don't you? What? You ain't working the Abilene Rodeo. You got a deal on to take some screen tests. Why didn't you tell me about that, huh? Well? Who told you I was taking any screen tests? Your little friend Shirley, that's who. Oh, just wait till I get my hands on her. I'm being given a double cross. Look who's talking about the double cross. You ought to know she ain't interested in you. She's looking out for herself and Burr, no matter what she says or how she acts. Why, that dirty little... Well, you ain't so nice yourself, mister. You practically admitted you'd been planning a run out on me. You oh, quit beeping. You got the wrong idea, cowboy. I ain't complaining. I'm just telling you. You try any fast ones on me, and you're going to get tied up worse than a bulldog steer. And now, the feature event of the evening. That popular cowboy, Tommy Tanner... Trying to ride the roughest, toughest bronc that ever came out of Texas. Oh, he's getting into the chute now. 
I don't want to look. I'm looking, and I'm enjoying it. Ray Palmer, a proper that's never been written. Hold of a record full of death and destruction. Hold your breath, ladies and gentlemen. Are they opening the chute yet? Watch it, honey, watch it. It's going to be good. Here, found a gimmick for that horse, did he? Well, we'll see how much of a gimmick he's got. They're opening the chute now, Shirley. Look. No, no. Hey, well, what's going on here anyway? Why, that dirty louse, he, he's tricked me. What's wrong? Well, Gray Bomber ain't even bucking. He, he's walking out of the chute. There's something funny going you on. You and your crooked ideas for making money. Gonna practically steal $5,000 from him, was you? He didn't have any gimmick, huh? I don't know. The block didn't even buck. Tommy just kind of toppled off right into the dirt. Well, he ain't hurt. What's it to you if he is hurt? The block didn't hurt him, that's a sense. Wasn't the block. If ever I saw a tame horse, Gray Bomber's it. What have you done to him? Me? What have I done to him? You saw it, didn't you? He just fell off with the horse not even bucking. <laughs> well, that wins me $5,000, sugar. But I was plumb lucky. Lucky? Listen, when you win any money, there's no luck connected with it. I'd keep my mouth shut if I thought anything like that, Shirley. Wouldn't sound good to folks. I don't care how it sounds. Oh, look, they're carrying him off. He's unconscious. Serves a smart aleck right. Wait a minute. Bert Graham's coming over this way. Oh, hi, Graham. Tommy had a tough break, huh? That's one way of looking at it, I guess, Bert. Well, I mean, he's falling off of a tame horse. I guess most anybody'd have trouble staying on a horse in Tommy's condition, well. Huh? Why, what's wrong with him? He's dead. What? No. Wait, he couldn't be dead. Maybe not, ma'am, but he is. You mean he hurt himself when he fell off Gray Bomber? I mean, nothing of the kind. He was dead when Gray Bomber came out of that chute. But how? Why? What happened? That's what I am to find out, ma'am. I know about that bet you had with Tommy, Burr. What's that got to do with it? Quite a lot, maybe. You see, Tommy Tanner's been murdered. Burr, Shirley, Lottie Moran, and Graham are gathered in Graham's office. We got to straighten this business out, folks. Well, I don't know what there is to straighten out. The guy died. He didn't die, Burr. He was murdered. The lawful kind of thinks there's a difference. I didn't kill him. No? No. I, why should I kill him? You was betting him $5,000 he couldn't ride, Grave Armour. And he told you he had a gimmick on the horse. Well, I didn't believe it. Well, he did. You could see that plain enough, couldn't you? Uh, well, reckon maybe he did at that. Lucky for you he had that uh, accident, huh, Burr? Yeah, reckon it was. Pretty lucky. Lucky? You killed him and you know it. He was crazy jealous of him anyway. Jealous, Lottie? I ain't heard any of this. What was he... Shirley was making a big play for Tommy. She knew about him going into the movies. Why, you dirty-minded little... You be careful how you talk to me, Shirley. I'll be careful, all right. I'll throw a lasso around your neck and pull it till the hunter squeezes your gullet up. Pipe down, Shirley. No need to get so sore. Sore? Well, she can't... Pipe down, Shirley. You ain't my boss. Just a smart husband that practically throws 5,000 bucks away. I didn't lose, did I? Maybe not. But you got a murder charge hanging right over your head. Look, I don't even know how the guy died. I... That was pretty cute how he died, Bert. What? Tommy was using his jewel saddle. Yeah, I could see that all right. The one he always used for exhibition riding. But he never had it fixed up this way before. What way? The jewels on that saddle are set into little metal holders. And in each of the holders, somebody's wedged a piece of sharp needle. Coated with poison. Poison? The minute Tommy Tanner dropped into the saddle before the bronc came out of the chute, he was a dead pigeon. Who'd been in the pack room? We ain't gonna find the murderer by finding who had a chance to kill Tommy. We're gonna find him by figuring out who had a reason to kill him. That's easy. Lottie. Listen here, you. You've got a lot of nerves talking about me having a reason to kill Tommy. Well, we was engaged. Was is right. Tommy was trying to get rid of you. Got too big time for you. That's a lie. I heard the fight you was having with him. Oh, so you've been eavesdropping on me, huh? Listen, I'd like to show you how I wrap it. Oh, she admit you was having trouble with Tommy, Hilotti. We wasn't having any trouble. Nothing that couldn't have been straightened out by getting Shirley out of the way. I don't know what Shirley'd have to do with your trouble, Lottie. She's a married woman. You don't get around much, Graham. Sure, she's married, but she's kind of ambitious, too. She was looking for a chance to improve her position. Now, look here, Lottie, you can't talk... You fool, if you'd been awake, you'd have seen what was going on. Shirley was making a play for Tommy Tanner, a big play. 
She thought he was going to go places, and she was looking for a ticket right on the same train. When you make cracks like that, Lottie, it's a good idea to be able to prove them. Ask anybody around the room. Now, wait a minute. You girls are slowing things down. What? I'm trying to find out who killed Tommy, and you're jawing about who was Tommy's best girl. That don't make no difference now, the way I look at it. All right. Who killed him? Somebody who'd be better off because he was dead. Well, it don't take any Einstein to figure that out. Don't father. Who would profit from his being dead? Not Lottie. She did it out of spite because she was jealous and because she figured he was going to ditch her. She couldn't stand having folks know she'd lost out. Well, maybe. But from a money standpoint, she couldn't do herself any good by killing him. Tommy didn't have much. His riches was all what you might call potential. He had a big future ahead of him. The killing stopped that future cold. Sure. That's right. He could have been a great cowboy. And the charges you've been shooting at Shirley, they kind of end up the same way, Lottie. Shirley ain't any better off than she was with Tommy dead. She's $5,000 better off. Well, that's something to argue about. She didn't win the 5000 and it wasn't her who was going to lose it. The way I look at it, there was only one person going to be any better off with Tommy dead. And that was... Yeah, yeah, me. I know what you're thinking. Well, I didn't kill him, Graham. And I ain't going to be made a goat. Nobody's going to ask you to be a goat. But you're the one guy had a chance to line his pockets from Tommy's death. I ain't a killer, I tell you. I never What time had... was you in the tack room, Burr? Well, just before the steer bulldog in advance. I had to get my stuff. And that was about an hour before Tommy got his saddle, wasn't it? Reckon so. Was anybody in the tack room with you? No. I ain't in the habit of taking along a valet or nothing when I get my stuff. I think maybe we'd better turn you over to the police, Burr. Think again then, Graham. Oh, Burr, you fool. Put that gun back in your holster. I ain't getting sent to no jail for something I didn't do. Put that gun away. Oh, so you want me to get arrested, huh? You've been trying to get rid of me for quite a spell. Sure, I ain't good enough for you anymore. Say, you're all wet about Burr being the only person who could profit, Graham. Why? If Shirley could kill Tommy and fix it so Burr would be the full guy, she'd get Tommy's 5000 and Burr's, too. Why, she could make more money out of this than anybody. You're just kind of hoping, Lottie. Nope. I'll stick to Burr for my man. I'm going to call the police, Burr. Get away from that phone, Graham. I ain't scared of you, Burr. Now, I'm warning you, Graham. Next time I shoot, I don't aim at no telephone. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to have a little talk with Shirley. There's some sense to the remarks that Lottie's made about her trying to frame me. Oh, Burr. No. No, get away from me. Oh, you can't. Help. Oh, Graham. You won't let him. No. 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 I'll get you for this burr that takes me the rest of my life. You ain't gonna get nobody, now that you've confessed. Confessed? Why wouldn't I confess? Well, you hit me in the face and knocking me down and twisting my arm to the breaking point. If I hadn't confessed, it'd have been nuts. You mean, you're denying your confession? Of course I'm denying it. And I reckon I gotta start working you over again, Shirley. Oh, for the love... Oh, Graham! Why do you can't let him kill me? He's got a gun. He's crazy mad, Shirley. I ain't hankering to dispute with him. Your confession's true, and you know it, Shirley. You killed Tommy. Now, don't go trying to get out of it. Listen, if I'd have wanted to kill Tommy, I'd have done it a lot easier than the scheme that was worked. And if you think you're going to make my confession stand up in court, you're going to look like just as big a sap as you really are. Yeah? Why? Because I'll show the police a ticket. What ticket? The ticket to Reno. The ticket to Reno? What? Tommy had you licked on that bit. It was a big time, and he's heading right for the top. What's that got to do with a ticket to Reno? Plenty. Tommy was giving me the money to go out to Reno. I was going to skip after tonight's show. I was going to get a divorce from you and marry him. That's a lie. Oh, no, it ain't, and you know it. I got plenty of proof. Ask the lawyer that was advising Tommy on his movie test business and see what he says. Tommy'd been getting more than movie advice from him. You're a sweet little woman. You are. Well, what do you expect? We're throwing away most of the money we've been able to save. I wasn't doing no such thing. You saw for yourself, even when he was dying, Tommy was able to put a gimmick on Gray Bomber. He had the Bronx stop cold. You saw it. He even told Graham what the gimmick was, and, and Graham admitted it might work. What? So he told Graham, huh? No, no, he never said nothing to me about <laughs> That's it. That's a lie. 
He told me he'd talk to you. Oh, what difference does it make whether he talked to Graham or not? He had a gimmick on the horse, all right. That was easy enough to see. The important thing is that Byrne knew about the gimmick. I wouldn't be too sure about that, Lottie. But why? A good buck and bronc that can't be rode. A horse like that's worth as much as a winning racehorse in the rodeo business. Oh, maybe. I've turned down some big offers for Grave Armor. Oh, that's beside the point. Uh, sure it is. You do a little less talking and more listening, Graham. Tommy talked to you about the way he was going to calm Grave Armor down. No, I knew nothing about oh, it. Oh, yes, you did. Tommy told me. There wasn't any reason for him to lie to me about it. Oh, getting smart, huh, Shirley? Gray Bomber was worth a small fortune to Graham, as long as he couldn't be rode. But once a cowboy put the gimmick on him, once the secret was out of how to keep Gray Bomber from bucking, <laughs> that horse wasn't worth a dime. Hey, I never thought of that. So the fellow that stood to profit the most from having Tommy Tanner die before Gray Bomber got broken was Mr. Graham. You're crazy. I Running the rodeo, you was in the spot where you could slip that saddle of Tommy's out of the tack room and fix it up in private. <laughs> You think anybody'd take a chance of having folks walk in on him while he was doctoring the saddle that away? Well, that's right. I think it'd be kind of smart to go to Graham's office and kind of rummage through his stuff. I'll do it. What'll I look for? Lots of things. Needles, maybe. And poison. No, you don't, Lottie. Don't forget I got a gun, Graham. Uh, yeah, that's right. You have, ain't you? Well, let's see if you want to shoot, Lottie. <laughs> Just stand right in front of me while I back out of here, Lottie. And once I get to my car, you You won't... killed Tommy, didn't you? Sure, sure. You think a little smart aleck who the best horse I got? The one that's worth the most money? Come on, Lottie. Don't try to get loose, because I got a gun, too. Oh, shoot him, Bert. You got her. Now, listen, I can't shoot Lottie. She ain't done nothing. Oh, where's my rope? Yeah, yeah, right over here. What are you going to do? Come on. We got to run to catch him before they get to Graham's car. Now, hurry. Keep him covered with your gun in case he tries to shoot me. If he does, you got to take a chance on getting Lottie, maybe, but you got to get him. Don't worry. I'll protect you. Hold on. I think we're getting close enough. I gotta drop the rope down pretty accurate. And you're the one that can do it, kid. Let us sail, Shirley, and good luck. I'll get him right now. Yeah, right over his head. Look, look, he's pawing at it, trying to get it off. I figured he would. Careful. Now. Yeah, smart work. You got it right around his neck. Now pull it tight, Bert. I ain't strong enough. Yeah. That idiot. He's trying to get into his car with the rope around his oh, neck. Oh, hold on, Bert. Yeah. <laughs> he threw her down. Put on the rubber. I'm a trying to, but it's cut my hands off. Why, oh, you pulled him right out of the running car by his neck. <laughs> the toughest critter I ever tried to haul in with a rope. His neck broke. I heard a crack. Is he? Is he dead? He sure is. Good work, Burr. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon so. Well, I suppose I better call the police. Oh, well, I'll... I'll go with you, Burr. You will? What? Well, I thought you was through with me. Oh, not if you'll have me around, Burr. I... I made a mistake. I... I was slow called yet. Well, if you've got over it, there's no use yapping around about it anymore, I reckon. And, uh, I'm kind of sorry about the beating up I gave you, Shirley. Sorry? Hadn't ought to be Burr. Made me kind of... Well, feel that you was quite a fella. And even if it was for something I didn't do, I, I guess I had it coming on general principle. Mystery House, on tuned to yesterday from the 21st of October, 1945, on the Mutual Broadcasting System. The announcer for the program, Rye Billsbury, synonymous with the series and a familiar name to fans of old-time radio. He served as announcer for the Joyce Jordan MD series and for a time in the mid-1940s was the announcer for the Vic and Sade series and in the late 40s became an actor, co-starring in broadcasts of shows like The Whistler and The Adventures of Ellery Queen and was an actor that used his talent past the point of what we know as the end of the golden age of radio in 1962 by being part of the Armed Forces show Horizons West and the Sears Radio Theater in the late 1970s. You're listening to an hour of westerns on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Lavonier. Now it's time for Dr. Six-Gun. This September 30th, 1954 broadcast first heard on NBC. Across the rugged Indian territory rides a tall young man on a mission of mercy. His medical bag strapped on one hip, his six-shooter on the other. This is Dr. Six-Gun. Mm-hmm. 
the gypsy. A purveyor of fine treasures. A bearer of gifts. Well, if you must, a peddler. My place of business, a thousand mile trail in the Indian territory. <laughs> this is my business associate, Mr. Midnight, a talking raven. And although he never says much of consequence, he is a good companion. We have a friend, Midnight and I. Perhaps you've heard of him. Dr. Sixgun. We three have had many adventures together. Like the one which began one hot afternoon... I was on the road to Fort Apache with a cartload of trinkets to sell to the cavalry. And I rode out on the retreat of Loredo. What's the matter? <laughs> you, uh, you object to my singing or my fire? <laughs> or do you see something, eh? <laughs> Like a statue. Drop your gun. Pablo has no gun. No gun. No gun. Get down off the wagon. Good. Walk over here. Behind this rock. Very well. Stop. Help me up. Help me up, I said, or I'll kill you. You are bleeding badly. I know that. Help me up. Very well. Now, get me to your wagon. Very well. You have been beaten badly, my friend. I don't need your sympathy. Now, help me up on the wagon. If you will permit me to, to take you to a doctor. Just huh? do as I say. <laughs> I think you had better do as I say, friend. You are in no condition to fight. I can pull a trigger. I can pull... <laughs> Come, Midnight. I think we had better take this stranger to Dr. Sixgon before he dies. Spirits, Pablo. Here. <laughs> what? <coughs> Who are you? This is my friend, Dr. Sixgod. Now you are safe. Oh. Who beat you this way, stranger? Nobody. These marks on your back weren't self inflicted. I fell. Mm -hmm. What's your name? Smith. Mm. Your rank? What do you mean, Rank? You're a cavalry trooper. Says who? Says the callus on your saber hand. Also your boots. The fact those clothes are obviously not yours. Well, I suppose it was crazy to think I'd get away. I suppose you tell me the truth. What happened? My name is Dale Franklin. Sergeant U.S. Cavalry. Where station? Fort Apache. Who beat you? Brock. Brock? Sergeant Hamilton Brock. Colonel Crown's private executioner. Sergeant of the disciplinary platoon. Disciplinary platoon? Yeah. You were in the guardhouse? They call it the slaughterhouse at Fort Apache these days. Are you trying to tell me that the commanding officer permits prisoners to be beaten like this? Not just beaten, doctor. Staked in the sun for ten hours, kept in a hole like a dog made to eat out of a dish on the ground. Take it easy, soldier. You're all right now. Yeah. I've met Colonel Crown many times. He impressed me as a stern but fair commander. You haven't met him lately. Why didn't you see the military surgeon, Dr. McKenzie? Dr. McKenzie has been dead for over a month. I didn't know. How did he die? He was murdered. 
By whom? I don't know. They must suspect someone. They do. Who? Me. I see. Did you kill him? No. Then why did you escape? I told you Brock was beating me. Yeah. Well, I have to return you. I, I can't keep a deserter. No, I suppose not. Are you afraid of facing trial? No. Well, then... I'm afraid I won't live to face trial. I find it hard to believe that Colonel Crown had permitted such treatment of prisoners. In case you don't know it, Doctor, Colonel Crown is a madman. Do you think you're qualified to judge? I think so. Well, we'll have to turn you in, Sergeant Franklin. You uh, don't seem frightened. I'm tired of running, Doctor. You know what they'll do to you for attempting to desert? Yes, sir. Well? Brock will kill me. Come in, Doctor. Come in. Hi, it's good to see you after all these months. You're looking well, Colonel Crown. Strange you should come to see me. I was going to send a messenger to you. Oh? Yes, I'm without a contract, Surgeon. I, I thought you might help out until I got a replacement from Fort Dodge. Yes, I know. I, uh, I heard that Mackenzie was murdered. Yes, one of the stockade prisoners turned on him. Stabbed him with his own scalpel. The man escaped before we could try him. What was his name? The killer? Franklin. Dale Franklin. I see. You interested in finding him? Well, that's a naive question, Doctor. He's outside my friend Pablo's wagon. Are you serious? Sergeant Brock. Yes, Colonel. Franklin is outside in the peddler's wagon. Bring him in. Yes, sir. Just a minute. Sir? Franklin was badly beaten. I know his condition. I think he deserves a fair trial. You don't think I beat him, do you? He says you did. Is that true, Sergeant Brock? Maybe the prisoner knows, sir. Very well. Bring him in here. Yes, sir. Oh, this Franklin is a bad fellow. Somebody beat him, Colonel. He needs hospital care. Well, naturally, he'll be treated humanely until his trial. If you accept the job as contract surgeon, you can check on him yourself. I think I can take it on for a few days at any rate. Yes, I'm conducting a raid on the Apaches tomorrow. We'll try him after that. Raid? Yes, my scouts tell me they're getting ready to make trouble again. I thought they were peaceful now. Oh, I know better, Doctor. Colonel, I visited the Mescalero village only a couple of days ago. There was no sign of war dancing. There are hundreds of them threatening this fort at this very moment. Easy, brother. Help a man. Here we go, well, Franklin, I see you've decided to rejoin us. Yes, sir. Still no guilty conscience about Dr. McKenzie? I didn't kill Dr. McKenzie, and you know it. Don't address me in that tone, soldier. Brock, take him to sick pay. Yes, sir. Oh, and Brock. Sir? See that he's treated well. Yes, sir. Now, you'll find quarters for yourself and your companion in officer's row, Doctor. I have to supervise training on the parade ground, but I'll see you at dinner. They've been training six hours, sir, in this hot sun. Nonsense. Call them to attention. Yes, sir. You men, you call yourselves cavalry soldiers? 
Don't you know that your lives will depend on how smartly you execute these commands? Apaches are the best-mounted soldiers in the world. You. Sir? Wipe that smirk off your face. I, I wasn't smirking, sir. Don't answer back. Sergeant, have this man's pack filled with stones. I want him to circle this parade ground until sunup. If he stops walking, send him to the hole. Sir, I, I, I didn't smirk with all respect. Maybe the taste of the whip will teach you to shut your mouth. I will not have this insubordination. I know what you think. I know what you whisper behind my back. Well, by Godfrey, I'm going to make soldiers of you or kill you. Sergeant, no water for these men until dawn. Not a drop. Sir, we're going on a raid tomorrow. Don't question my command. Dismiss. Yes, sir. Peddler. There. I suppose you've come out here to spy on me for your doctor friend. Eh? Oh, Colonel, I've not come to spy. Only to request permission to keep my wagon in your state. You're lying. Colonel. Very well. Keep it where you please. And stay in your quarters. I won't have strangers skulking about my camp. like the behavior of a rational man, Pablo. You are the physician, not Pablo. However, my opinion... Pablo, old friend, one thing a doctor learns is never to make a diagnosis on too little evidence. Sometimes you can put the patient in his grave long before he's dead. I suppose it is not easy to command a large group of men like this without strict discipline. But still, I... Pablo. Come in. Doctor? Yes. You're wanted over at the prison stockade, sir. Trouble? There's been an accident. Anyone hurt bad? Sergeant Franklin, sir. Franklin? What happened? He's dead. There's the body, doctor. How did this happen, Sergeant Brock? He tried to escape again. I was forced to shoot him. These bruises weren't there when I examined him this morning. No, sir. He must have fallen after I shot him. I see. Too bad. Yeah, too bad. I'll have to make a report on his death. You can use Dr. McKenzie's old office. Just down the corridor. Thank you, Brock. Not at all. Any time at all. Doctor, I've just prepared my report on the death of Sergeant Franklin. Well? I think Sergeant Brock should be placed under arrest for his murder. Now, just a moment. Franklin was shot trying to escape again. He was beaten first. Can you prove that? He has bruises on his body that were made after he returned here. Yes, but he fell when he was shot. Dead men don't bruise, Colonel. That's a medical fact. I see. May I have that report? You may. Thank you. Would you mind telling me why you're tearing that up? Not at all. You'll write a new one. Accidental death. Will I? Doctor, Sergeant Brock is the best man I have. I need him to discipline the men. If he gets overzealous, well... Are you insane, Colonel? He's murdered a man. A prisoner, a misfit who couldn't soldier. A man, sir. A man. Doctor... I have only soldiers in my command. I cannot permit any other sentiment. Listen to me, sir. This army post is surrounded by thousands of Apaches. Armed to the teeth. They're out there in the hills. 
watching us. Their knives are sharp. We've got to train and be tough in order to defend ourselves. And that's what I'm doing, Doctor. I've made these men into machines. Machines that can stand up to those evil men. I'm going to destroy every Apache in the territory. Colonel, there are no unfriendly Indians within a thousand miles of this fort. Ah, sir. That's where you're wrong. They're out there lurking. I know. I, I can feel their eyes on me when I ride past those gates. I, I can sense them all around me. I see. Yes, that, that's why I need men like Brock, Doctor. I, I can't have weaklings around me. I've got to weed them out. You, you see what I'm driving at, don't you? Yes, I think I do. Good. Then you'll go to Doctor McKenzie's office and rewrite that report. Yes, Colonel. I'll rewrite the report. Yes, Pablo. Listen, you're leaving this afternoon? Yes, I go back to Frenchman's Fort. I want you to head north to Fort Dodge instead. Fort Dodge? With a message for the commanding officer. About Colonel Crowley? Yes. Here, I've written it out. I'll make it as fast as you can. Very well, I go now. Just a moment, peddler. Sergeant Brock, take that paper. There it is, Colonel. That paper is none of your business, Colonel. On the contrary... Everything that happens at Fort Apache is, uh, my business. Well, well, I see you have rewritten the report considerably. Hmm. Would you mind telling me what this medical mumbo-jumbo means? All right, sir. I'm writing to the commander at Fort Dodge to tell him that it is my considered medical opinion that you're a madman, Colonel Crown. You don't say. Furthermore, I've taken the liberty of examining Dr. McKenzie's record. There's a copy here of a half-written report. I found it stuffed behind the desk drawer. Give me that. Seems that Dr. McKenzie concurred. According to this report, he too believed you're insane. How very unfortunate that was. More unfortunate than he ever realized, Colonel. The stains on this unfinished report are blood. Evidently, someone surprised him at writing it and Stabbed him with his own scalpel. Yes, an Apache named Blackhawk. Or a white man named Crown. I think you're the one who is insane, Doctor. That is for a medical board to decide after my report is filed. Unfortunately, your report will never reap Fort Dodge. You're both under arrest. Don't move. Sergeant Brock has you covered. I see. Just what do you intend to do? Place these two under arrest, Sergeant Brock. Yes, sir. Colonel, you can't hold up. I think I can. In a few minutes, I'm leading my troops into the hills to wipe out the Apaches. When I come back, I'll take care of you two gentlemen. All right, Brock. See that they're treated well. Yes, sir. Inside. What about my friend? Pedler? He's coming with me. We're going to have a private entertainment. Inside. Brock, you'll have to look out for this. Uh-huh. Come on, Pedler. We'll have a talk. <coughs> Come on. All right. Here's your friend. Jack? Pablo. I think he needs a little medical attention. Pablo, are you all right? Yes. He hit me many times. That's rotten war. Pablo, he's very wheezy. Just, just lie down. And, and Pablo, listen. Don't move, no matter what happens. It should not be hard, my friend. Sergeant! Sergeant! What? Pablo! He, he's dead! You're crazy. He's dead. Look for yourself. I'm coming in. Stay back or I'll shoot you. 
Peddler. Peddler, get up. Maybe, maybe I can bring two. Try. All right, I, I'll need some water. Do without. All I can do without water, Sergeant, is... will be within earshot of our objective. Our absolute silence will be maintained. According to my intelligence, there are some 800 Apache warriors down there, armed to the teeth and waiting to move on Fort Apache. Follow me and fight with honor. You can barely see the village from the top of the trail, Colonel. Hold them in. have a look through these glasses. Mm. See anything, Colonel? Mm. <laughs> they're as thick as flies. Hundreds of them, all in war paints. What's the plan, sir? Mount the column. When I give the word, move the column down the trail toward the village. When we reach the bend in the trail, we'll sound the charge. Isn't that trail too steep for a gallop, Colonel? We will charge at the gallop with bare sabers. Those are my orders, and I'll shoot the first man who reins his mount. But, sir... Sergeant, mount the column. Very well, sir. Good pal, mount. Draw sabers. Draw Now at the gallop. March. Sir, it's suicide. I will count to three, Sergeant. Either you give the command or I'll run this saber through your chest. Very well, Colonel. At the gallop. Colonel. Colonel, look. There's a wagon rolling down the cliff top. It's headed right for the trail. You can look out. What the? That looks like that peddler's wagon. Move it aside. Move it, I say. Hold it. Don't touch that wagon. Hold it. Nobody lay a hand on that wagon. It's the doc. I can get a clear shot from these rocks. Nobody touch that wagon. Doctor, I don't know how you got here, but I order you to put up that gun and step down here. As you say, Colonel. Sergeant. Arrest this man. Just a moment, Sergeant. I have an order telegraphed from Fort Dodd. Relieving you of command, Colonel. It's a fraud. Here it is, Sergeant. Sergeant, don't let this man trick you. He's a spy for the Apaches. He's trying to hold us up until they can attack. This order is countersigned and verified by Major Dodd, Colonel. He's our post adjutant. Give me that order. Here, sir. This is what I think of your order, Doctor. Now, Sergeant... Order the charge. I can't do that, sir. You idiot, there's an army of savages down there. A thousand evil-painted faces in the valley all around us. Sir, you've been relieved of command. 
Relieved, eh? Relieved! I'll show you how a soldier behaves. Bugle boy! Bugle boy! Sound the charge! for Fort Apache, Sergeant. Uh, what about that village full of Indians? If they've got war paint on, we'd better... Sergeant, take a look through these field glasses. Go ahead. Okay. Good Lord. That village is as peaceful as can be. Nothing but squaws washing blankets and a few braves sitting around. Why... Colonel must have been crazy, sir. He was a sick man, Sergeant. His sickness was fear. And there's nothing so dangerous or so contagious. Dr. Sixgun, on tuned to yesterday from the 30th of September, 1954, on NBC. And so closes this hour of Westerns on tuned to yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Golden Years. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Lavonier. Thanks for tuning in.